On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a new Model 3 release candidate sighting seems to answer the question of which red the Model 3 will be available in, the one from the reveal event or the multi-coat red offered on the Model S and Model X now. Plus, pre-orders open for Tesla's solar roof tiles, why you might not want to overuse the superchargers when you get your Tesla, and more. everybody, welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for May 14th, 2017, episode number 93. I am Ryan McCaffrey, uh, and I want to start by really thanking, I it just couldn't respond to everybody. Uh, I just want to thank all the many, many, many uh, kind-hearted, wonderful listeners out there who, uh, who reached out either on Twitter or on email or called in uh, with, with words of sympathy and condolence regarding the passing of, of uh, Maggie the Boxer, my beloved canine companion and unofficial co-host of this podcast. It's, uh, it has been a rough week. Monday was the day, as I had I told you last week, and I recorded last Friday night after the decision had been made uh, and everything had been said and and you know I, I i can tell you this you know i, I know this is a tesla podcast well i know you want to get to the tesla news but just give me a minute here uh i will say i mean it was it was extremely difficult i've never had to do i've never had to face the loss of a of a of a companion like that and i've been very very fortunate in my life really the only um close family member that I've that I've uh, ever had to say goodbye to two-legged or four-legged was uh, my grandfather when I was 20 and uh, and that was that was very difficult too um, but this yeah this was my companion my I mean I, I told you the story last week or part of it about the the divorce and Maggie really just being being there for me and um but what, so Monday was a very very difficult day, obviously, and I was. But I was I was the last thing that she saw and heard, which is what I wanted. Even though I know that would that was going to be hard for me, I wanted that for her. And uh, we actually had a great last day. If you look on my Twitter account, uh, you might have to scroll a little bit at this point. But uh, by the time, depending when you hear this, but I uh, we went back to our old neighborhood um, on Saturday. Uh, which where she spent the first four and a half years of her life with me and we just we just hung out there you know she couldn't really walk particularly well so we just kind of sat on a bench together Um, and then on her last day on Monday before we went to the vet in the afternoon we uh, (laughs) we went first we went to the beach which is great because that dog loved the beach now she didn't swim. She hated the idea of swimming. She wouldn't go in past her ankles, but she just loved running on the beach. She loved chasing the the like the seagulls, the birds that would be in the sand picking around for stuff. She loved playing with other dogs on the beach. She loved the beach. When we would get close to the beach, uh, I would you know really roll down the window because I knew how much she loved it, and she could just smell the salty sea air, and she knew we were close, and she lit up, and and on Monday. Uh, that ha- that she just lit up at the beach and it was so great it just made me so happy because she was so happy and we had a good time and uh had a great time uh, and some kind folks there were, were kind enough to take a couple pictures and and a and a video which I did post of her and I running together with her I mean she was running as best she could and it's I'm going to look at that video for a long 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 time uh with with you know tears but also joy uh and then you know i'll have to go i'm, I'm gonna go back through the archives too and and find some earlier videos of full speed maggie because my goodness that dog could move and then uh, the last the last thing before we headed over to the vet we went to in and out burger and i got her a double double cheeseburger <laughs> i did it in the lettuce wrap which is they call protein style at in and out 
because I figured the deliver she didn't care about the delivery method. She just wanted the meat and the cheese. And there's a video of that on my Twitter as well. And uh, that she she was just so happy. And then we actually, my wife said, well, should we get her another one? And then I said, well, sure, why not? And the second one, the first one she kind of nibbled and then started to eat and kind of ate normally. But the second one, it was like she knew, oh, this is okay now. I'm allowed to do this. This isn't people food that you're gonna try to not get try to not allow me to eat so she literally gobbled a double cheeseburger two patties two pieces of cheese boom one bite and it was gone <laughs> it was it just made my wife and I laugh uh which which I needed and and Maggie loved it and then uh you know the vet was real hard and and actually I'll tell you co- coming home to the quiet, empty house with no dog. That was actually harder, and I had a I had a real tough time, and I'm still still having a tough time with that. And you know, her bowls are here and all this stuff. I and I don't want to. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to depress everybody. Um, I, I don't intend to do that. I know you, you know you you tune in for this for some Tesla news and and you know to hopefully enjoy yourself. So I'm going to get to the Tesla news now. But just to, again on the on the backs of all the kind messages that people send in various forms just thank you uh this is you know it's been really tough i and it's gonna i know it'll get easier with time and i'll never forget maggie and nor should i nor do i want to but thank you all so much actually uh, a couple of you uh were very kind to just call in with condolence calls i figure just as a tribute to maggie i'm just going to tack those onto the very very end of the show after the the theme song uh, goes by again. So if you want to stick around for those, feel free. If not, you know, no problem. Just press stop. But let's get started. Uh, let's get started with Tesla news now that we're six minutes into this thing. Hopefully I haven't lost all of you already uh, with my my sadness. Um, good news this week in Teslaville. At least good news for me and those of you who are a fan of Multicoat Red. So a Red Model 3 release candidate was spotted near Tesla headquarters in Palo Alto. And boy, the thing was cleaned up. It was, the tires were all shined. The wheels were perfect. The, the car was just perfectly clean. It was like show worthy, this thing. Still a release candidate. You know, it didn't have caps over the, over the hub, the center hub uh, of the wheels, just like all the other release candidates. And, um, there's just it's just one picture it looks like it had been unloaded from a trailer because there's a trailer in front of the car it's from the right the rear passenger side rear three-quarter view but you get a real good look at what multi-coat red looks like and that's sort of the point of this of talking about this not not only um the fact that this is now the fourth color we've seen a a model three uh release candidate in black white and the uh, blue that Tesla sell uh, all all three the, the same colors that Tesla already uses, but what's I think significant about this isn't so much that it's multi coat red, it's that it's multi coat red. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, uh, of course, at the unveiling last March thirty first, one of the three cars on the stage, the one that was a non functioning rolling mule was red, but it was not Tesla's multi-coat red. It was some other kind of red that had a very, had an orange tint to it, and it was definitely a different red. It was not, as I said, uh, I said on the podcast, it wasn't personally one that that, uh, I liked as well as multi-coat red, because multi-coat red just is, is a beautiful, almost fire engine kind of red, looks gorgeous in the sun, if you've never seen it in person. Pictures, Pictures don't really do multi-coat red justice, I don't think. But anyway, uh, you know, so it, it, it is significant to note this because we, we figured there'd be a red for Model 3, but there was a legitimate question of was it going to be the multi-coat red they're already offering on SNX or because, because that is a multi-coat, you know, and you pay more for it, would that not be offered on the Model 3, and instead they'd have a different red, such as, you know, probably this sort of more orangey, I'm going to call it a sunset red, for lack of a better term, that we saw on that rolling mule uh, prototype. 
So it does appear, I mean, it's not a guarantee. We, don't, we won't know until the design studio goes up, but these are release candidates. These are production intent cars, cars that, that are made you know, with production tooling and the whole, you know, the whole production process. So I can't imagine that they would paint it in multi-coat red only to not offer that for sale. So uh, that is, it looks like we're going to get multi-coat red, which again, I'm actually thrilled about because I'm, that is absolutely what I would buy if I were buying a, an S or an X now, I would get multi-coat red. So I, it was really cool for me and probably for a lot of you, uh, if you're also planning to get red uh, and you like Tesla's existing multi-coat red, you get a good look at what the three looks like. Sadly, not from the front. There were no pictures from the front end. Would love to see it from the front. We'll get there in time, obviously. But uh, yeah, I, I want to do the dark gray or, or onyx black, depending which way they go. But the, I want to do the dark 20-inch wheels to go on my multi-coat red Model 3 unless somehow, some way, my signature red dream comes true. And that is that is offered uh, on Model Three. You know, again, we talked about the <laughs> the supercharger uh, render that was sort of. You know, I talked about that a couple shows back, but we know with pretty confident certainty now, Tesla's existing multi-coat red paint job will be available uh, on the Model Three, which which uh, may be very good news to some of you, as it is good news to me. Moving forward, let's talk to or let's hear from Lorenzo. Uh, who is a resident, a fellow resident of the Bay Area, who uh, wants to? He has a he has a he has a charging situation with his car that he the, the Model Three he plans to get, and he wanted to ask about it. So Lorenzo, let's hear your charging concern. Hi Ryan, this is Lorenzo um, from the Bay Area. Um, I listen to your podcast and. Uh, you know, um, first off, I just wanted to uh, really give you my condolences um, because of I heard um, uh, on your last um, podcast uh, about Maggie, uh, the boxer, and it was really touching uh, to hear that um, that, uh, uh, that what happened to her. Uh, I'm just so sorry um, about your loss and about your pain uh, right now. Um, so yeah, hopefully, um, you know, I hope that you, um, you're doing well. Uh, um, so my, uh, Tesla question, I am a model three, uh, reservation holder. Uh, my quick question is, um, I'm, I live about, uh, I live in the Bay area, uh, about 10 miles of, um, supercharger. So, um, I had in mind for the first three, three to four years, after I get my Model 3 to charge um, the vehicle using the supercharger exclusively um, because, you know, of personal, um, my personal situation, I'm not going to be able to charge it at home. So my question is um, battery degradation. Uh, if I charge it uh, all the time using the supercharger for the first three, four years of the life of the vehicle, if that has any um impact on the battery um, degradation. Um, thanks so much, uh, Ryan. Bye. First of all, Lorenzo, thank you for the kind words about Maggie. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I hate to follow your kind words with something you probably don't want to hear. But yes, supercharging the car exclusively for three or four years, you are going to have a bit of a problem. Not necessarily a big one, but a problem nevertheless. Uh, Electrek did a story that, that you've segued me perfectly into uh, just this week about some Tesla owners seeing slower supercharging rates. And it turns out that is by design for cars that have been supercharged at a certain threshold. In other words, a car that's been supercharged enough, uh, it's that Tesla is throttling that in, for the long-term health of the battery. So the, there was one customer in particular that ended up, he took his car in for service to try and diagnose this issue. And this 
is from the technician's report on this customer's car. So this is a Tesla technician writing, according to Tesla engineers, once vehicle has been DC fast charged over a specified amount, the battery management system restricts DC charging to prevent degradation of the battery pack. According to Tesla engineers, this vehicle has seen significant DC fast charging and is now, uh, that's written wrong, it's a typo, but, and now has permanently restricted DC charging speeds. Important to note, supercharging will always still be available to the vehicle and the battery pack has not yet experienced significant degradation due to the amount of DC fast charging performed on the pack up until this point in time. Vehicle is operating as designed. So Electrek noted in their story, because they uh, had an open communication with the owner here, the owner in question, the car has been high-speed charged a lot. Uh, he, the owner says that he has accumulated over 6,600 kilowatt hours of DC fast charges during 245 total charge-ups on Chadmo charging which is a, a high-speed charging standard that's starting to make its way around North America. And he estimates that he used superchargers on, quote, 50 to 60 occasions on top of that. Uh, so this guy, this, this customer, is not doing a lot of standard home charging. He is doing exactly, almost exactly, Lorenzo, what you are proposing to do with your own future Model 3. Electric got a statement on this matter from Tesla that says, in part, quote, the peak charging rate possible in a lithium-ion cell will slightly decline after a very large number of high-rate charging sessions. This is due to physical and chemical changes inside of the cells. Our fast charge control technology is designed to keep the battery safe and to preserve the maximum amount of cell capacity, i.e. range capability, in all conditions. To maintain safety and retain maximum range, we need to slow down the charge rate when the cells are too cold, when the state of charge is nearly full, and also when the conditions of the cell change gradually with age and usage. This change due to age and usage may increase total supercharge time by about five minutes and less than 1% of our customers will experience this, end quote, because of course most people are not doing high-speed charging in their garages, uh, and you know, which you know, which is the bulk of the time, the the overwhelming majority of the time and place that most Tesla owners can and will, and do recharge their cars. Now, Lorenzo, don't forget too that we don't know if us Model Three owners are going to get unlimited local supercharging, because Elon's been a bit vague about that. Uh, since explaining the new supercharger policy about, you know, you only get a certain number of kilowatt, you know, about a, a good for about a thousand miles worth per year that's, that refreshes every year for road trips, but do you still get unlimited supercharging locally? Uh, in fact, on that note, Lawton from Chicago called in with a really good point about local charging that's exactly relevant to you, Lorenzo. So I'm going to throw it to Lawton from Chicago. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to comment Tesla's recent blog post about how charging is a priority. To paraphrase the post, one of their goals is to broaden their charging locations within urban areas, thus better serving the needs of owners who don't have access to reliable home charging. This is a huge paradigm shift encouraging local supercharging. This eliminates the barrier to the urban ownership of electric vehicles of access to street-side charging. Given the limited miles needed with urban driving and the tour-mile range of all Teslas, a vehicle may need only charge once a week or less. Urban superchargers also laid the foundation for the eventual Tesla ride-sharing service, which coupled with self-driving will further increase the need for car ownership. And in urban areas where real estate is expensive, where would Tesla store self-driving cars that are not in use? I hear that they know someone with a boring company to create underground tunnels to facilitate parking. The post also mentions that priority is expanding existing sites so drivers never wait to charge. While increasing the number of superchargers by 150% will surely help, the number of Teslas on the road will increase by more than 500% once the Model 3 is produced in volume. Usage rates will also increase with local charging being encouraged. This will necessitate faster and more efficient charging, hopefully 
The July reveal will also include details about next-generation supercharging with not only faster charge rates, but also the automated charging snake. Best wishes from Maggie and your efforts to keep her comfortable. Keep up the great work. Look forward to your thoughts. Well, and uh, thank you, Lawton, and thank you, Lorenzo, for those calls. I think uh, hopefully folks are, are either learning some new stuff here or at least getting a little more clarity because, of course, charging is the, the single biggest thing that you have to learn about and, and get to know as you switch from a gas-powered car to an electric car. In fact, while we're on the topic of charging... Here's a call from, I believe his name was Albert. I couldn't quite, I hope I've got it right. I've listened to it a few times. Sometimes the calls don't come through super crystal clear, but if I've got it right, Albert wondering if, he's got a question about destination charging, which Tesla touts alongside supercharging. So Albert, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. My name is Albert Cedeno. I'm a Model 3 uh, holder, and I'm just curious about the destination chargers. Are they limited also the same as the superchargers? Can you research that question for me? Let me know. I appreciate it. Bye. So the good news for you here is that, uh, no, that's the good news. This, this is an excellent question uh, with, a, with an answer that you will be happy to hear. No. The trade-off is that destination chargers... They don't charge as quickly as superchargers do. Nothing charges as quickly as the superchargers do. But destination chargers also aren't necessarily run or controlled by Tesla in most cases. And as such, there's, they don't have any sort of annual cap on them. Uh, now, some, some destination chargers you might have to pay to use. It's, it varies on a case-by-case basis. Some of them are free. But they're, there's, they're not sort of part of the supercharger program and the, you know, yearly replenishable amount of juice you can get from that. So you can use destination chargers as much as you want. If you find a free one nearby, you can use it a bunch if you like. But again, just be mindful of uh, that battery control issue that we just heard about from Tesla there uh, in the the, uh, previous news story. Moving along this week, Tesla is now taking pre-orders for the solar roof, if you happen to be interested in that. I know, you know, I don't, I've kind of, uh, I don't cover this as much on this show. I keep it more about the cars, but Tesla is an energy company, so it's, uh, it's good to keep up to speed. And, you know, it is also probably of interest to many of you uh, who are either own or plan to purchase a Tesla, and that is Tesla's solar roof option to uh, solar power your house alongside, uh, coupled with a power wall. So the pre-orders are live, and the uh, Tesla says that the typical homeowner can expect to pay about $21.85 per square foot for a solar roof if your number of solar tiles on that roof is about 35%, which they claim is uh, roughly the average. In fact, Elon Musk on a call said that uh, in depending on the roof, customers might have, you could have up to 70% of your roof be tile, solar tiles versus just plain tiles that don't have solar cells in them. But uh, in most cases, he he's, uh, hypothesizes it's going to be about 40%. Now, I looked up my own house, and uh, it we I'm, I'm fortunate to be set for a while as we had just done our roof several years ago. But I'm, I'm certainly going to be looking Tesla's way when the time does come, because I'll most likely have a Tesla of some sort in the garage and will love would love to get cleaner, love to go renewable. Yeah, I, like I said, I looked up my own house. I need 50%. I need exactly half of, the, of my tiles to be solar because I have sort of a vertical house. And it's, like a, it's a very tall house, but not a very wide house. So... Uh, so it's probably going to cost me a little more, but I highly encourage you to uh, visit Tesla's site on this because they actually have a calculator. You can put in your address and it will, using Google Maps or some sort of maps, it will uh, actually give you an estimate, a full estimate of what the roof's going to cost, how many 
what percentage of the tiles need to be solar for you, what your cost savings will amount to over the life of the roof. So you can find that at tesla.com slash solar roof. That's, that's two R's. So S-O-L-A-R-R-O-F. Jeez, oh, I can't even spell this week. Solar roof, just as one word, S-O-L-A-R-R-O-O-F. There we go. Third time's the charm. A uh, couple more stories. Tesla batteries are going to be getting better in the future at an even quicker rate than anticipated. There's Tesla has, has uh, made a deal with a noted battery expert, a noted lithium-ion battery expert in the field, a guy named Jeff Don. He's, uh, he's working for Tesla, and he and his research team have developed cells that lithium-ion cells that can double the lifetime of the batteries, which will no doubt be applied to Tesla's future products. And they've done so four years ahead of schedule. Now, Don and his team admit that this is only, pardon me, this is only in a lab, not out in the real world or out in the field yet. But... Uh, the interesting thing about this, it's, it's basically they're extending the number of cycles the battery can be charged and discharged without degradation, which, of course, is what we've been talking about with supercharging here. So uh, Don notes that, Jeff Don notes that considering Tesla's use of aluminum in the chassis of the cars, he says there's no reason why both the cars and the batteries couldn't last 20 years. How about that? That would be something if you just bought one, if one Model 3 took care of you for 20 years once these cells come around. I mean, it probably could now. I mean, I, there'll be people that have their Model S's for 20 years, I'm sure. They'll, they'll suffer some range loss, but not a great deal, especially if you, bought a, if you bought a 100D today, you've got 335 miles of range. So maybe in 20 years, you're you're down to you know, th uh, 300 or 290, you're still sitting pretty. But uh, that was a really cool story that Tesla's batteries continue to advance. And of course, with their vertically integrated uh, manufacturing setup at the Gigafactory, as soon as they're able to manufacture it, they'll do it and they'll do it at economies of scale that enable the prices to be low and they'll get them in the cars and it'll just help further that goal of transitioning the world to sustainable transport because the case for an electric vehicle would be, well, it's roughly the same cost as an internal combustion engine vehicle. Uh, it has better performance. It has a smoother ride. Uh, it has less maintenance to it. And oh, by the way, it's going to last you for 20 years because the bat these new the battery cells are are have, have advanced and the electric motors, I mean, the electric motors that Tesla uses now are million mile electric motors. They're, they're built to go for a long, long time. So uh, good stuff ahead in the future for Tesla, as well as, of course, the exciting stuff they've got going on in the present. Finally this week, if you want to know why I'm confident that Tesla is going to achieve full level five self-driving not only sooner than the competition, but I believe they're going to do it better. It's not just because I'm a Tesla fanboy, which I am, as I, as I often admit. Uh, that is one reason I believe they're going to get there first and get there and do it the best. But another reason that I believe that is because of fleet learning. We've talked about the importance of fleet learning and how every single Tesla on the road is helping make the 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 uh, cars, the, the autopilot program better. And Tesla straight up acknowledged this and, and, have, and is sort of being public facing about it now. In for those of you with hardware two cars, so newer Teslas, uh, if you took the recent update, which I trust you did because it makes autopilot and auto steer a whole heck of a lot better, you are, you in that process will be asked to accept a new data sharing policy that says, quote, we are working hard to improve autonomous safety features and make self-driving a reality for you as soon as possible. 
In order to do so, we need to collect short video clips using the car's external cameras to learn how to recognize things like lane lines, street signs, and traffic light positions. The more fleet learning of road conditions we are able to do, the better your Tesla's self-driving ability will become. We want to be super clear that these short video clips are not linked to your vehicle identification number. In order to protect your privacy, we have ensured that there is no way to search our system for clips that are associated with a specific car. So, uh, first of all, I think they're going to map the country in no time using this. I mean, it's, it's going to be quick. There are more and more Teslas on the road every day, particularly as the Model 3 will start to ship in volume. I mean, if they're able to achieve... Uh, a manufacturing rate of 5,000 cars per week, even if it's at the very end of the year and they, they you know, roll into 2018, making 5,000 Model 3s a week in addition to the 1,000 plus uh, Model S's a week and roughly 1,000 or so Model X's a week, all of them with hardware too, all of them or the vast majority of them that are adhering, that, that have agreed to this uh, data collection policy to help map things out, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the, the progress, there's just no other car company can do this. It's, it's simply not possible for them to do it. And uh, the results are going to be, it's going to be so much fun. I mean, I, I, that's, I, I've talked about it on the show before, but that, the day, the day it happens... The day that the update is pushed out for full level five, that uh, we go down, you know, you go down to your car and suddenly it can take you where you want to go without you having to do anything. I mean, that's, think of all, I mean, YouTube will be flooded with all kinds of videos and every outlet, every news outlet in, in the world will cover that. Every website, every news outlet. It's, I mean, it's just going to be, your neighbors will ask you about it. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm over hyping this. I mean, I just think it's going to be a, a a big, like cultural event. Like it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be massive when that, when that day comes. And uh, it's good to see that they are using those hardware to enabled cars now. Uh, Oh, and they actually, uh, well, oh, never mind. They that it's good to see them using the cars for this, and uh, I wonder, you know, how things are going on the level four, level five autopilot front. I guess we'll find out with the the cross country demo that Elon says is still scheduled for November or December. On that note, that is it for the news stories this week. You know, tough to last week's a tough act to follow news wise. When we had all that, all those great Elon Musk clips and quotes, no such, no such clips or quotes this week. Just a handful of, of a interesting, kind of a potpourri of Tesla news stories this week. So that does it for that. But uh, thank you all so much for heeding my call to call. I've got a whole bunch of excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls from you guys coming up right after this. If you're like me and have a Tesla reservation, you'd probably love the chance to drive one around for more than just the short test drive that you can get from Tesla. Well, I've got a solution for you. Friend of the show, Joe Edgel, actually rents out Model S and Model X Teslas for as long as you'd like. If you happen to be taking a trip to Washington, D.C. or the Baltimore area, or if you want to drive one so badly you're willing to make a special trip, check out Joe's website, emotion.rentals. If you want, Joe will even deliver the car to you at the airport or your hotel. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N dot rentals. Now back to the show. I want to mention that uh, most likely by the time you hear this, the May edition, the May 2017 edition of the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode with all of the extra Ride the Lightning hotline calls that come in over the course of a month that I'm not able to get onto the regular weekly show. Uh, This month's edition features calls from Mike in Charlottesville, Bob calling in from his Model X, John from Denver, Lawton from Chicago, and more. So if you are, uh, if if you support the podcast on Patreon at the $10 or higher level per month, you have access 
to all of those bonus episodes. Give them a listen, and uh, I always welcome feedback on those, so look for the new one. Uh, Again, should be by the time you hear this, but for this week, this regular old episode, let's kick it off uh, with our friend Joe Edgel, who actually, I was asking about this a week or two back, Joe owns a Hardware 1 and a Hardware 2 Model S, and so he can directly compare them. So let's hear from Joe. Hi, Ryan. Joe Edgel from Emotion Rentals here. Thought you and your listeners might be interested in our comparison of Hardware 1 and Hardware 2. We've done a little update on our website, emotion.rentals, comparing the two, but I thought I'd give you a quick summary for the show. What we've found so far is that despite the more advanced hardware, the actual software driving Hardware 2 is not yet up to where Hardware 1 is is in its feature-rich and sort of stable software. We found that the hardware 2 car tends to bobble a bit uh, within the lane. It doesn't always see the lines on the road. It doesn't get speed signs as readily as hardware 1. It also doesn't have all the features that the hardware 1 car has. It's just not as advanced yet. And driving the hardware one car on the road, you'll really have a lot of confidence. Whereas the hardware two, you have to pay quite a bit more attention. Now we know that Tesla is going to continue to improve that as they always do. And we're excited about those improvements. But for now, hardware two has a long ways to go. So anyhow, keep up the great work on the show and we'll keep listening. So Joe did send this call like a week or so ago Joe, I'd be curious if you still feel this way after the big update that hit following your call. Uh, the, the big update from this week, word around the forums and, and the, the owners is that uh, the auto steer is, is very much improved. Just the feel of it, everything, it's, it's really smooth. So uh, I'd love to, I'd be curious to know if, it, if, it, if you think it's made a, a if it's now reached parity, at least with with, uh, the autopilot functionality itself. Nevertheless, it's great to hear the perspective of somebody who actually owns both a Hardware 1 and a Hardware 2 car and can directly compare them. So thank you, Joe. Let me go now to John from Lafayette, Indiana, who has a comment on the updated loaner car program. Remember, I talked about that last week, and that was part of the Q1 conference call where all the service loaners are now going to be upgraded to P100Ds, whether it's the S or the X. And John, a Model S owner, can speak directly to it. John, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is John from Lafayette, Indiana. I just heard your uh, piece in the last uh, episode 92 of Ride the Lightning about the uh, loaner car program that Tesla has for taking your car into service. I am a Model S owner and I just recently last week got my annual service. I hate to disappoint you, but it's not as much fun as you think it is with the loaners. They do give you a P100D, uh, but it's software limited um, because I thought exactly the same thing you did. I got the car. I said, hey, to my good friend, let's go out and let's go launching. And uh, we got it out on the on-ramp onto the highway and it it's impotent. They software limited it. So it's not nearly as much fun as you might think it is. Although driving any P100D, is an experience. It just it's not the same thing. Not what you think. So great, great show. Love your show. Um, take care. John, thank you for correcting me on that because I did know that information. As soon as I listened to your call, I went, oh yeah, I knew that. I had that information somewhere in my brain, but uh, thank you for correcting me. So yes, there's software limited and uh, what I'm what I'm curious from you, it sounds like from what you're saying that the acceleration is nerfed as well. Because I, what I had read is that the top speed is limited. Like you can only get them up to 80 miles an hour. But I suppose it sounds like the acceleration is dialed back as well, which is a real shame. And and more practically speaking, though, it makes me wonder. Look, why would Tesla bother with uh, outfitting the service loaner fleet with top of the line $140,000, $150,000 cars if they're going to be software limited such that 
they're not going to impress anyone. I mean, relatively speaking, right? They're not going to, you're not getting the full P100D effect. So what's, I, I almost wonder like why? Then why not just make the service fleet 75Ds or, or even, you know, just plain 100Ds? So that, that seems a little odd to me uh, if they're, but, but maybe John, uh, maybe you can drop me a quick note and if the acceleration is still pretty great, maybe that's, uh, but I, again, I, I still, I, it's, it's interesting to me that you're not getting at least the full acceleration effect. Because again, like I talked about last week, I feel like that could be a real uh, talking point. Like just, it's just, it's marketing. You know, if you've, you get a service loaner that's a P100D, you're going to show it to everybody you know, and you're going to do all kinds of launches and everybody in your circle your family, your friends is going to be talking about that, and it's just going to spread the spread the Tesla gospel. So, anyway, uh, let's move to Walter from Vancouver Island in Canada, who has comments on the semi truck, the Tesla semi, and the Tesla pickup truck. He has got some just straight knowledge for me. Just drop it on me, Walter, because these are things that I need to learn about. Take it away. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Walter calling from Vancouver Island, Canada. Um, I had two comments about your subjects in the past uh, couple of podcasts with the semi-truck and the pickup truck. Uh, I don't know if you're aware or not, but the in the semi-truck market, a lot of these long-haul trucks that um, Tesla's going to build, the, uh, the I guess they call them Class A uh, semi-trucks, a lot of them are actually privately owned. Uh, there's a lot of the tractors, which they refer to the front end, a lot of them are privately owned in the long trucking business. Um, you've got your big corporations, uh, your FedEx, your Walmart, and stuff like that, um, and they do own they do own the tractor and the trailer. But there's lots of long haul trucking where the uh, the load is the trailer and the truck is um, contracted out, and often the driver of the truck, the driver of the tractor owns the tractor, so. If Tesla's marketing a Class 8, there's big corporations that can save some money but with the electricity. But it's a really big deal for the uh, for the owner of the tractor. Uh, you know, if you're one guy, tax incentives, costs, and everything like that, um, you might you might be a single guy purchasing purchasing the uh, tractor, and if it's autonomous, uh, still doing doing the job that uh, was always done by by individuals and their tractors um, the other aspect I think about with the pickup trucks is it'll be really interesting to see if Tesla does a unibody pickup truck or a body on frame pickup truck or something something in between and the reason why that'd be interesting is there's only two two pickup trucks that have been unibody that have been kind of mass produced. And those were the, uh, Chevy avalanche from a few years ago. And, um, the first generation and second generation Honda Ridgeline and the body on frame pickup trucks, like, uh, your typical Chevys, Fords and Dodges and Toyotas. The beauty of those is that the commercial operators can take the box off the frame and modify these trucks to do what they need. Uh, you see this with um, welders, with hydro companies, with uh, oil and gas companies. Um, a lot of these commercial trucks, a lot of municipal trucks have have customized um, units that are placed on the back frame where a box typically would be. So it'd be really interesting to see when Tesla unveils their pickup truck, if it's a uh, unibody, uh, and not modifiable, that'll tell you it's meant for the non-commercial market and the private market, uh, which would be a big shame considering how many municipalities and hydro companies and, um, you know, businesses are really interested in purchasing electric vehicles. Uh, but if it's, if it's, uh, not body on frame, uh, it's going to have a, a big deficit to, big deficit in comparison to the competition pickup trucks anyway those are my two comments love the show thanks great points here walter i i actually have nothing to add i just 
I just honestly appreciate this information that I hadn't known about semi-trucks or pickup trucks before. Um, it's funny because when you mentioned the, those two trucks, the Ridgeline and, uh, and the other one that I'm blanking on now, like, yeah, those, uh, those trucks, they, they visually look different than your, your usual truck. So I just never realized that that was sort of the difference in the type of truck. So it's, it's good to learn something uh, in, for me about, about these markets that Tesla is gearing up to enter. So, uh, Walter, thank you so much. Next up, an anonymous caller didn't identify himself, but he's got himself a long commute down in Southern California, and he's wondering when he might be able to get his hands on a car that'll, a Model 3 that will serve his needs. So let's see if we can help him out. Yeah, I live, uh, I commute about 180, 85 to 90 miles a day, but it's going up and down the grapevine, which is a very high, approximately 5,800 foot altitude. So the single motor won't work for me. I need the dual motor and a small area as well. And um, the longest battery range. Any idea when you think that will be available? I have actually two reservations, but... Um, there's no point in me getting a single motor that wouldn't work for me. And I know Elon Musk mentioned that it's probably six to nine months after they um, state the initial cars. But I'm thinking maybe a year from now, something like that. Any ideas? So I know we do talk about these things as they happen, but we get we get new listeners. We get people that don't necessarily hear every episode. So it's good to it's good to check in on these kinds of things from time to time. And and the answer is we don't have any indication on when the bigger battery is going to be available for the Model 3. However, we don't have any reason at all yet to believe that it won't be available at launch. What we know we're going to be waiting for is the dual motor car, the dual motor option, and the performance option. We know we're waiting on those, according to Elon. It's we're looking at about the end of this year for a dual motor option and around spring of 2018 for the performance. So if you've got two reservations, you should be able to get what you want around the turn of the year, give or take. Because if you're just looking for dual motor and big battery, uh, it should be available around end of year. Depending when you made your reservation, you should, uh, you should bank on, uh, you know, to wrap out the turn of the year, you know, around New Year's is uh, when you might want to start making financial and logistical plans to get yourself your new Tesla. Next is Logan from Denver. Uh, he calls in uh, picking on the Tesla's whole one display comment about, about the uh, Model 3. So, Logan, what do you got for me? Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Logan from Denver. Uh, first off, man, I just want to give you my condolences uh, on the passing of Maggie the Boxer. Uh, I followed your tweets along all day yesterday, and it was uh, ripping me apart the whole day. So hopefully uh, hopefully you're doing well. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to call in in regards to uh, your last week's episode about the uh, dual displays. Um, I know this has been, you know, a topic of, of – you know, discussion in the last couple of months, but um, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the middle display will be the one display, and for a heads-up display, there's not going to be an actual display. It's just a projector onto your on your windshield. So there theoretically would only be one display as that 15 you know inch horizontal display, and then just the projector onto your windshield. So I don't know. I, I didn't didn't know if that was a, a distinction that someone had made yet, but I wanted to give you a call. Let's see what your thoughts were. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate all you do, and I uh, hope you're doing well, friend. Thanks. Bye. Logan, thank you for the call and for the condolences. I do appreciate it. Uh, I tell you, though, I really, really think that Elon has tried his absolute hardest to lower everyone's expectations on this from almost outright saying no HUD to his repeatedly saying that the 3 won't have as much tech in it as the S and the X. Is it possible he's playing coy before the big July reveal? Yes, especially with Elon Musk. It's entirely possible that he's, uh, he's playing us all here for, a, for a, big, a big pleasant surprise later, but I just wouldn't hold my breath on it. Uh, it it's, he, he has repeatedly said, it's, you're, you're not going to care, it'll all make sense, so uh, 
I don't think HUD's happening. I, I, I was firmly in the pro-HUD camp a year ago. I have now moved over <laughs> to, to the, uh, I don't want to say anti-HUD camp, but I just, I, I'm, I'm firmly in the, I don't think there will be a HUD in the launch version of Model 3 camp. So we'll see. Next up, Jim from Phoenix uh, mentions Jeff Don, who we talked about earlier, and uh, when we might expect to see Mr. Don's results on the road. Jim, take it away. Hello, uh, Jim from Phoenix here. Um, I just had a question about the news that the Tesla battery re- researcher, uh, Jeff Don, was able to double the lifetime of batteries used in the Tesla products. You know, I, I was just a little confused. You know, some articles made it sound like they were being used, and some articles made it sound like they weren't being in, used in Tesla products today. But I see in the May 9th uh, Electric updated article, it says under an update in italics uh, that uh, Don reached out to clarify that the cells in question were tested in the lab and were not in Tesla's products yet. Uh, but then this uh, this begs the question, of course, you know, how soon do you think they can get into Tesla's products? And uh, any chance they could find their way into the Model 3, you know, in time for these uh, 2017 deliveries? Just curious about your opinion on that. Uh, thanks again for all all your work on the podcast. Uh, again, I really enjoy it. Thanks so much. Jim, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I, I think there's a less than 1% chance that they are in, that, that these new batteries are in any 2017 Tesla vehicle. Because, as Don even himself admitted, this these results are only in the lab. They're not in the field. They're not in the real world. But you can bet that once it is proven in the field, Elon Musk is going to make sure that it's ingested into the entire product line because, as I mentioned earlier, that is going to go a long way towards advancing Tesla's goal of accelerating the transition to sustainable transport. I don't know if these batteries, these uh, double-the-life-cycle batteries, are two years away, three, five, or ten but I can't. I just can't possibly imagine it's shipping to the real world in two months. I, I just uh, think that the probability of that is rather small. So um, I, I wouldn't even look at it with Model Three. I think it's it's gonna it'll come later. Ken in Denver is next. He's got a reaction to Tesla's Q1 call, uh, and also a question about something from that call. So Ken, what can I do for you? Hey, Ryan. This is Ken from Denver. I wanted to follow up on the Tesla first quarter earnings call, and I agree with your comments uh, on how exciting it is that Elon sees a clear path to an Apple-like valuation, and that's something to be considered when thinking about selling shares, um, uh, even help purchase a car. But uh, what I didn't understand from the call was the implications of that much longer wiring harness for the Model Y. I didn't understand if that meant there was something different about the sensors or the processor or the autopilot capability uh, compared to, you know, the current hardware too, with, uh, which he says will get to uh, level five autonomy. So didn't know if you or some uh, listeners had a thought about, about, about that. Uh, enjoying the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Can I apologize if I didn't explain it very well or maybe I didn't maybe I failed to provide the proper context. What Elon was saying is that the wiring harness will be way way shorter in the Model Y. In other words, there will literally there'll just be physically less wiring, shorter cabling of a, 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 a much less a much smaller amount of wiring running through the car which simplifies the manufacturing process and enables Tesla to make that step change that you heard Elon talk about on last week's show, uh, that step change in manufacturing efficiency, a.k.a. the alien dreadnought factory that Elon's talked about for about the past year or so. The, the wiring uh, doesn't have anything to do with autopilot or any other features of the car. It's just about making it easier and thus cheaper to build the car. Hope that clears that up. 
And our last call this week is from Ralph in L.A. Uh, and speaking of Model Y, he's wondering if he should wait for the Model Y uh, and the potential advancements that it may bring. So let's see if we can help Ralph out here. Ralph, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Ralph from L.A. calling. Thanks once again for just fabulous over-the-top podcast this week. Much appreciated how you go in depth and pull out all the really salient stuff. Um, I'm calling this week because you asked for calls. And I also wanted some thoughts and feedback from yourself and maybe some of the listeners about the dilemma I am in between picking up my Model 3 January, February of next year with dual drive and glass roof and uh, loaded up versus waiting for the Model Y for another two years. And this is what I'm hoping for will come together for the Model Y. A HUD, faster supercharging with below-ground cooling. There will be Level 5 full self-driving autonomy um, in place and approved by regulators in two years' time, I'm confident. And along with that, the Tesla network ride-sharing platform, which will help with car payments. I'm going to go for that. Uh, also, next year, the next generation of NVIDIA Drive PX2 AI computing platform is going to be refreshed uh, with a much um, higher bandwidth and various other improvements. And uh, the Model Y is going to have a full electronics redesign, dropping from 1,500 meters of cabling in the Model 3 to only 100 and boosting um, the voltage and getting a faster data bus. So that tells me they're really going to make this thing work. And that excites me. And there'll be a replacement for the 2170 battery, although 95% capacity after 300,000 miles is good enough for me. But maybe the new battery can tolerate the faster charge time. I don't know. But Jeff Don and the Dalhousie University folks are really hard at work with understanding the nitty-gritty of, um, of batteries and have for decades. So there are all these features coming together for the Model Y, and uh, I wanted something a little better than the Model 3 base options but can't afford the Model S, so I wanted something in between. As long as the Model Y does not have Falcon Wing doors, uh, that would actually be a deal-breaker for me. Anyways, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this at the moment, but I'd sure love to hear other people's thoughts. And thanks again. Bye-bye. Well, Ralph, I think it's a, it's a personal decision, and everybody's answer is going to be different based on their circumstances. I, I don't think the Y is going to have falcon wings, as I said a week or two back. So if that, I mean, if, if my hunch <laughs> makes you feel any better, I'm not sure it will or if it even should. Because it's just uh, I'm just some some guy on the internet, basically. I'm not Elon Musk, but um, you should look at your current car, you know, to help answer this question. What's it likely to cost you over the next two to three years with your current car if you decide to wait for Model Y? Like for me, I'm at the point where you know I wanna I, I'm ready to unload my 11 year old car, almost 11 and a half now when Model 3 arrives, because I don't want to have to do tires again. Tires are about $1,200 all around on my car. Uh, I don't want to have to do, you know, I've already had to do a clutch. I've done, I just had to do brakes, I did a radiator. So there's stuff I ended up having to do. So that's, you really want to evaluate that with, uh, with your current car. And then uh, another question I would ask yourself, will, uh, are you happy to stay in your current car? I mean, you know, Maybe you have the luxury of, of allowing that to factor in, or maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you'll, you'll just decide, well, you have to take emotion out of it. I'm not sure. But uh, remember, too, you could always lease your Model 3, if that makes sense for you, so that maybe you're only committed to that car for two or three years, and then you can either look to get a Y or just buy out the lease and keep your Model 3 if it ends up being the car that you want. I mean, I'm, personally, I'm, I'm going all in on the three, even though I know the Tesla's going to keep moving forward, because that's just what is, makes sense for my situation. That's what feels good for me. But I hope that you have no regrets about your decision, no matter what, 
it ends up being. So thank you, Ralph, for that call. And again, uh, I remind everybody, feel free to call in anytime. Would love your, your questions, your comments, your discussion points. You can either record something on your smartphone with your voice recorder and email it to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or call into the hotline. That's what it's set up for. That's what it's there for. It's a toll-free number, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Uh, I'll be right back here to wrap things up. And then, uh, like I said, I've got a few Maggie tribute calls uh, from some of you kind folks to close things out at the end. Be right back. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, And if you want to see any Maggie pictures, I might have mentioned this last week. Apologies if I'm repeating myself because I'm not trying to plug this for followers or anything. But if uh, I do do have an archive of Maggie pictures on Twitter via her own account that I'd made for her years and years ago. It's at Maggie the Boxer, just all one word. So if you want to see some Maggie pictures. I'm going to, in the, in the coming kind of days and weeks, I want to go back, uh, to the pre, to all the old, like early years pictures that aren't just on my iCloud and start posting some of those just to, just to add to that. So, uh, if you want to, if you want to see some Maggie pictures, that's where you can do it. You can email me, uh, if you want to email me, uh, for whatever reason, the show email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I have a Patreon for this podcast. Uh, a lot of time and energy and effort goes into it. You've, uh, last week was a great example of that uh, with all those Elon Musk clips that had to be chopped up and, and listened to and sorted and whatnot. But uh, if you, if you uh, would like to, to maybe consider supporting me on a, a monthly basis, you can take a look at the Patreon page. It's patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash teslapodcast, and I'll use this opportunity to thank the very, very kind group of folks who uh, pledge at the $20 or higher level per month. These are the, call them the Patreon producers. Uh, the newest one, I this is the one Patreon producer, I don't know if I'm going to get the pronunciation of his name right. I think I've got everybody else. So David, correct me if I'm wrong here. David... Is it just Vakil? V-A-K-I-L. David Va- David Vakil. Or is it Vakil? I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Vakil for now, and, and I'll let David correct me. But uh, David, thank you so much. Alongside Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, David Kittle, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Maracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, Colby Perry, and John Lasher. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Uh, trying to give a little something back here, courtesy of abstractocean.com. You need some accessories. There may be some cool Tesla keychains, silicon key fobs, uh, sleeves for your Tesla key fob. Uh, lanyards, lighting kits, so stuff for you or the car, abstractocean.com, and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST as all one word, RTLPODCAST. That coupon code at checkout gets you 20% off of your order. Dave T. has an excellent weekly Tesla newsletter that I encourage you to sign up for for free at teslaweekly.com. If you're buying a Tesla, uh, would love for you to get $1,000 off of it for yourself and give me a chance to win a Tesla in the, in the referral raffle drawing where they give away one car with all the referral entries at the end. The referral code comes, to my, comes from my friend Jeff. Uh, so the referral code, just put this into your browser if you want to buy a Tesla, S or X, ts.la slash 
Jeff2311. That's Jeff spelled the traditional J-E-F-F. Or I guess, I mean, G-E-L-F-F is traditional too, so forget I said that. <laughs> Jeff spelled J-E-F-F. T-S.L-A slash Jeff2311. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already, then it just auto-downloads to you. You can do so on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. I also want to real quick just thank everyone who listened to last week's show. Uh, last week's, which was the two-hour-long episode 92 with all those Elon clips and then my Maggie story at the end, um, that is, it is the most downloaded episode I've ever done, and it got there real quick. Uh, and that followed up one of the lowest download, the, the, the worst downloaded episodes the week before. So, um, uh, thank you all so much. If you're, if you're a new listener and maybe, you know, if, if, I don't know if that giant group of you or some of you are new or, or just, uh, lapsed that, that we're checking back in, uh, I appreciate it regardless, but, uh, thank you all so much for giving the show a try. I'm here each and every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time with a new episode. Uh, happy electric motoring. And here after the usual ending theme are a few kind folks, Dave in the UK, John in Florida, and Jesse Wilcox with some, uh, some kind words for Maggie the Boxer. So thank you all so much, and I will see you again next week. Hi Ryan, it's just Dave here in the UK. Um, this really isn't anything to do with the Tesla uh, podcast or any questions or anything about Tesla. Um, just wanted to pass on my condolences about Maggie the Boxer, basically. Um, I think you, uh, you you covered everything last week really well and I've uh, been obviously following you on Twitter and stuff and seeing your updates and... Uh, you know, just just wanted to to pass on my condolences. Really, I think you were a fantastic uh, fantastic father to Maggie, and uh, you know certainly gave her a good life, and she's obviously given you a good life in return. So, um, can't quite imagine how it feels. Um, myself, I have a dog myself. My first dog as well. He's five now, um, and I absolutely dread the day um, that I need to, to take some more action. But. Um, yeah, just just wanted to uh, offer my condolences and uh, just stay strong. Keep it up. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Ryan. This is John from Florida. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. I just heard your uh, most recent show and listened to the very end. Uh, listened to the very end of it. Um, I just want to say how sorry I am about Maggie and you know me and along with all the other listeners have really enjoyed uh, hearing all the stories between you and her you know, in the past. Uh, I guess more than a year. Um, but I just want to say that I also had a dog of, you know, 13 years and, uh, he passed away, you know, two years ago. Um, and I wasn't there when he passed away. And, you know, to this day, I still regret not taking him in and, um, you know, but when he was ready, uh, instead he had to go, you know, pretty, pretty rough way. Um, and I regret that. And I, I think it's a very noble thing that you're doing, um, you know, knowing when the time is right for Maggie. And, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that you have a lot of listeners out here with your, um, you know, with Maggie in mind and you in mind. And uh, thank you so much for doing the show. And I think you're really, you really are doing the right thing. Um, anyways, look forward to hearing you next week's show and have a good day. Hey Ryan, just wanted to offer you some words of encouragement. Know it's a tough time for you, and you made the right choice. Probably one of the toughest drives and toughest decisions of your life. I'll be thinking of you. Take care. <laughs>